This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Busy show today. Blue Jays collapse. Jets sends final preseason game tonight. Bombers getting ready for the BC Lions, the biggest game of the season tomorrow. And a visit from the president of the Sea Bears on their amazing first season in Winnipeg. Going to be a fun one. Great to have you all with us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Shout out to the podcast listeners. Get on over to winnipegsportstalk.com if you're looking for links for our Winnipeg Jets ticket pack. Again, that's going to get going, geez, in a couple weeks, October 17th. Pierre-Luc Dubois' return for our first game with the WST crew. And a big thanks to everyone that's already jumped on that as well. Uh, And, of course, shout out to everybody with us on YouTube right now. Speaking of YouTube, if you look at that number right there under Winnipeg Sports Talk, 9.98. We are less than 20 subs from the elusive 10K mark. Our goal was next Wednesday, but I'll tell you what, I think we might be able to make it by this weekend. So if you haven't already, kindly, folks, hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, hit the thumbs up. Help us get to 10K. And uh, welcome to any new subscribers that have jumped on over the last little while. It's great to have you with us. We are talking Winnipeg sports and uh, everything sports for a couple hours every Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. live on YouTube. And uh, again, if you found us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well because if you can't catch us uh, live on YouTube or you're working, that podcast will be up and ready for you with our fresh content just in time for your drive home from work Monday to Friday. Great stuff today. Before we bring in Michael Remus, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada just finished up the lock shop, talking Bombers, Lions, and more with Dusty. You can check that on the Edmonton Sports Talk feed, as well as Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, and the Winnipeg Jets, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech. And Modern Man Barbershop, and a special shout-out to Modern Man. My hair is a much more presentable today than it was. I actually had a hat day a couple days ago. But a uh, shout-out to Jess and the great staff at Modern Man Pemina for a cut yesterday. And uh, let's get Michael Remus in here. Reem, I've got a funny story to tell you about that cut. I went in after the show yesterday, and my appointment was at 4.30. So it was in the middle of the Blue Jays game. And uh, very kindly, they threw the Blue Jays game up on the television. So I'm watching the game. You know, it was 0-0 at the time, getting my hair cut, chit-chatting. One of the other barbers, Cordell, came by, and I was talking to him for a bit. But while I was getting my hair cut, I had to take my glasses off so I could see what was happening. But, you know, with the distance of the TV, you know, I wasn't seeing things as clearly as normal. I could see there was something going on in the mound. I put my glasses back on at the end of the uh, haircut and looked closely and went, what the hell is Kikuchi doing in the game? Now, everybody knows I'm a huge Kikuchi fan, but I also saw what Berrios was doing through his first 47 pitches, and I was speechless. Because I had missed it, I assumed that maybe he got hurt. Well, then I fired up Twitter and saw the first eight of ten tweets being everyone involved in this decision must be fired. 
and realized that it was one of the most perplexing baseball decisions we've seen in years. In the end, it didn't really matter. They gave up the two runs then, but they didn't score. And uh, once again, that is the the Blue Jays season in a nutshell. Really solid pitching, strange managerial decisions, at least one boneheaded blunder on the base paths, no clutch hitting, and a disappointing finish. Yeah, I'm pumped for this Jets-Sens game tonight. What's going on, Huss? We'll get to that, but everyone wants to come here and rant about the Blue Jays. What was that yesterday, Huss? And as you said, it summed up the season pretty well. And, I mean, Barrios dealing 47 pitches, and you're like, well, and you look at the boxer, you're like, well, did he get hurt? No. Was he looking, was the stuff looking off? No. He, like, walked one guy, and they took him out, and look— we can all agree they scored zero runs. You're not going to win, but I think you kind of lost. You lose the team. Everyone's standing around being like, you know, what the hell are we doing here? The broadcasters doing? who work for the own ownership are like, what is going on? We don't agree with this at all. The guy was dealing. Let it play out. And I think a lot of it can be compared to what when the Rays took out Blake Snell uh, in the World Series a couple years ago. Everyone was like, well, why are you taking? I think that was somewhat defensible because look third time through the order um you know third time and it was you know six inning he doesn't go deep into games this wasn't that deep it was in the fourth inning it was 47, 47 pitches it was 47 pitches his stuff was looking electric he's pitching in what is for his former uh, home stadium in target field he's comfortable let him go uh it's just so bizarre and i think that's part of the reason why the blue jays just seem so unlikable uh hustler um these decisions like this, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people calling for firing management. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens. It was quite a, just such an odd decision, and I love seeing all the criticism across the board. Uh, on the U.S. broadcast, Mike was Michael K. and A-Rod, and Michael K. is like, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for them. And look, they, again, they scored zero runs, so like this isn't why... They lost, but it was certainly a turning point in the game. And yeah, as you mentioned, the base running errors. I mean, Vlad getting picked off. Like you can't, you can't do that. You can't have that happen. And they had runners in scoring position in multiple innings, weren't able to cash. What they scored two runs in two games and had one extra base hit in two games. You can't, you can't win like that. So I think in the end, the Blue Jays mm. were in the two games who they were throughout the season. It's just such a. Everyone was just baffled uh, when they took out Barrios. Well, my my, uh, my one takeaway uh, is that John Schneider is a puppet. Um, there is zero chance that a baseball lifer like John Schneider would, on his own volition, yank his starter. A guy they're paying $131 million, by the way, to, with their season on the line after 47 pitches. Uh, you know, just on, on his own thoughts or whims. I mean, this this is analytics run amok. And listen, there is absolutely a space for analytics. And in baseball, maybe more than all the other sports because of what a numbers game it is and how much information we have. But this is also a game played by human beings. And the computer, the computer might tell you a whole bunch of things that you will look at and say, well, maybe that will help us win a game. The effect that that had on the team, and we heard it afterwards, Bo Bichette, I mean, Whit Merrifield didn't hold back. He said it was, I mean, 
They couldn't believe it was happening. And listen, again, this is not to take any of the heat off of their lack of any sort of clutch hitting whatsoever. But um, that one blew up on them big time. And it's going to take a long time to get over. Um, and in a lot of ways, Remus, like I'm not sure, you know, how any of those people really survive. Now, I've been talking to some guys in Toronto this morning. They think that, you know, they'll keep going forward and they'll be safe. Schneider might be a scapegoat. Probably shouldn't be. Although, some would argue maybe you should have been fired earlier. That's a, com- a conversation for another another day. I do like what you mentioned, though, about the broadcaster. Rogers owns the Blue Jays. Many times Rogers is accused of, uh, you know, their staff essentially being borderline cheerleaders for the Blue Jays. Almost like you would have a home broadcast be in a local market. That was not the case yesterday. I mean, Buck Martinez absolutely lit into them during the game while it was happening. The post-game show afterwards was full of the most direct criticism I've heard for everybody involved in a long time. Ken Reed cracked me up yesterday. He was uh, he was hot. Um, and that's just not something you would see. And it speaks to the level of angst, anger, disappointment, and in the end, failure of a team that had so much promise going into this season. Ended up getting a, a level of pitching that nobody could have imagined, especially when you think of the flame out of Manoa this year. And with all that money in the lineup and all that, all those bats, they just could not get it done. And uh, this will be the longest offseason in a long time for the Toronto Blue Jays. I can guarantee you that. Oh, yeah. And I'm curious. You know, there's going to be some changes, some free agents. Um, it was, yeah, spectacular flame out uh, for them, Huss. I mean, they had the disappointing postseason last year, losing to Seattle, blowing that lead. They wanted to get redemption. They made offseason changes. They wanted to get, you know, they improved the the pitching. They got Chris Bassett. They tried to improve the defense, but the hitting took a step back uh, in terms of runs, in terms of home runs. And now, you know, the Twins, they lost 18 straight playoff games. Their drought is is over. I actually listened to the score north here on YouTube postgame show. There were fans calling in, crying uh, that they won. It was actually, uh, it was an <laughs> incredible listen. For Blue Jays now, they've lost seven postseason games in a row. And this Shapiro Ross Atkins era uh, hasn't been as successful. And you look over what Alex Anthopoulos is doing with the Braves, who are the best team in baseball, who won the World Series two years ago. I think for I think fans have a hard time uh, finding this team likable because of uh, who the general manager is. Um, and I I don't know what they're going to say if if any any changes, but. I don't think people are. I don't think the players bought into that move yesterday, and it showed on the field. And I think all the fans are are finding it hard uh, to buy into the team. But hey, they've done great renovations, Huss, on Rogers Center, and the ticket prices have what like doubled in the last five years. So it's it, the business is good. That's I think that's what <laughs> the Rogers shareholders care about, Huss. Yeah. Well, listen, Mike was at the game. Mike McIntyre. He's, he's hot. And. And, uh, and listen, we will get to Jets talk with Mike, but it might be a minute. We're going to need to let him vent because he and Ken were there. I cannot wait to have Mike jump on with us. Um, and we're also going to have Brandon Rewicki coming up first. I know Brandon will have some takes on it, and we'll get the latest on uh, on the Jets heading into this final preseason game. Um, listen, we're going to hear from Rick Bonus in a moment uh, about this game tonight, but there is some news right out of the gate today, Remo, 
And it's not necessarily about tonight's game or what the roster might look like on the uh, on the 11th when the team starts the season in Calgary. Uh, but it involves arguably the number one defense prospect in the organization, Elias Salmonson. And there was lots of talk this week about where he'd be playing this week. He was assigned to the Manitoba Moose. Reports out of Sweden and elsewhere that this was basically in the hands of the Winnipeg Jets as to where Elias would play this year, assuming that he's not on the NHL team. Um, yesterday was looking like he might be here for a while. Well, that's not the case. He is going back to uh, Skeleftia of the SHL, where he played last year as an 18-year-old and played very, very well in a top Swedish league against men on one of the top teams. And I have to say it, selfishly a little disappointed because I was really looking forward to being able to go to Moose Games and see Elias kind of develop here. But it's hard to argue with his development up until this point, the season that he had last year, obviously his comfort level. I would imagine the player and his agent probably involved in this decision a little bit. Um, so while it is the Moose's loss, I have a feeling for the player and the organization in his long-term future, this is probably at the just barely 19 years old, probably a move that makes a lot of sense for both the team and the player. Yeah, 19, turned 19 on August 31. Us and yeah, I think it, it makes sense. We were kind of speculating, oh, will he stay with the Moose? But hey, go home, stay there for another year, and then then come back. So that was... You know, we had speculated on, you know, was, the possibility came up this week that, oh, maybe he can stay with the Moose and he's eligible, but uh, they opted to go with uh, back to Sweden. One other roster move, uh, Jeffrey Veal was placed on waivers yesterday as well. Everyone who was placed yesterday cleared. We did mention what former Jets, uh, Nick or Leon Kavanke and, and Nick Patan. Uh, so they cleared it here as well if you're following the former Jets. So that was... That was some of the the news, but the Selmanson one came out after practice today, so we didn't really get to hear uh, coach or anyone talk about it. Uh, no, exactly. We'll hear from coach in just a second, but this is the way things look for tonight. Uh, it's well, I guess I, I won't make an editorial comment that this is the way the coaches are planning for the opening night because obviously there could be some changes. But lines up front: Connor Shifley, Villardi. The top line will be together after. Uh, uh, a couple of those players were out last game, or actually, I guess all of them were out as the team dealt with the flu. No Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers will not play in the preseason. Um, the second line is going to be Perfetti with Niederreiter and Alex Iafalo, which will be an interesting look uh, and probably something they're going to need to prepare for um, if Nikolai Ehlers can't start the season or gets injured throughout the year. Um, the third line looks very familiar. <laughs> It's Baron Lowry and Appleton. Um, Appleton scheduled to start on the right side with Adam Lowry. The plan was that Ayafala would be in that spot while Ehlers plays with Perfetti and Niederreiter, which would have moved Baron to the third line. But David Gustafson gets into the lineup. He's going to be on the left side with Kapari and Nemetsnikov. Gustafson, essentially all three left wingers moving up a spot, two, three, and four with Ehlers off of the line. And then the defense pairings. Morrison DeMello, Sandberg and Pionk, Dylan and Hanela, and uh, and I guess Stanley and Schmidt aren't in the game tonight, are they? They're. Uh, I mean, I know those were what how they were skating right now. Are they? Uh, they're going to be uh, dressing because it's preseason. Eight uh, D. Yeah. What do you mean? They're not. 
What are you talking? Who are you reading it from? Oh, that was just how they practiced Stanley and Schmidt yeah. as the fourth pair. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're yeah. Not so they're not in tonight. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't you know yeah. expanded rosters. No, or no, I got for, the for lines uh, on the on the screen here. So Villy's getting another chance, uh, and he'll be playing with Brendan Dillon. And take from that what you will. We'll hear from Nick uh, from Rick Bonus in a moment. Um, but Villy's going to get another chance, and he'll be playing with the uh, with Brendan Dillon on that third pairing. Um, and one more chance for Villy. I, I love the fact that you put Villy in the thumbnail today, Remus. That will uh, that'll be very popular with uh, many many Winnipeg Jets fans. And um, listen, he's had a really solid camp. He had that goal against Calgary last week. Has continued to show that he does belong. Uh, but as we mentioned, there's a lot of things working against Billy Hainala situationally when it comes to waivers and whatnot. Um, and really, the onus is on him to continue to make this decision very, very difficult for the Winnipeg Jets. And he's got one more chance to do it tonight, playing alongside big Brendan Dillon. Yeah, one thing about Nikolai Ehlers, they're seeing a lot of, you know, how can he be out with neck spasms? Uh, Scott Billick tweeting out today on Wednesday, Ehlers said there's more to the neck injury than than spasms i don't i'm not a doctor i don't know if i can speculate but I, there's i think there's more seems to be more going on and then uh then yeah just you know a neck spasm but uh yeah billy hanel he's played great um you know him and dylan love it it's like a nintendo ice hockey so you got the big guy with the skinny guy uh he's he's moving the puck well skating well looking stronger he's certainly talked all week how he's earned a shot here and you know with schmidt you know coming back from an injury and you know, Stanley, you know, getting passed on the depth chart. I think the door is certainly open uh, for Villa Hainala and uh, looking forward to seeing what he can bring today. And, like, what more, like, do they really need to see uh, from I think like, your decision is pro- probably made, like, what, if he has, like, a total stinker? Like, oh, no, you don't you don't make the team. I think, you know, the body of work, the prospect that he is, I'm sure they have a pretty good I- idea what they can expect. So you'd like to see another, another uh, solid game here. Uh, from well, he's them and play, he's played a lot. The one thing that I think we have to realize and, and and listen, I mean, I want the young man to succeed. I'd love to see him in the lineup. I mean, we've kind of talked about that all week. Um, but a game like this against a pretty much legit NHL club, um, you know, it, it is important again. I mean, there are. I hesitate to take too much from some of these games, especially early in the preseason, because, I mean, you know, a lot of times you're playing against AHL-level competition. Now, that's not to take away anything that he's done so far. He's come as delivered and done what he's done. But I do think that if, I mean, listen, if the onus is on the player in this case to prove that he's better than the other guys, you got to do it against the best of the other teams. And, uh, you know, this is the, this is that opportunity for Billy Hanela tonight. Um as far as Nikolai Ehlers goes, he, along with Nikonen, Ford, Capobianco, uh, LB, Johnson, Fjallby, and Chisholm were skating in a side group this morning. Um, and the power play, for what it's worth, is going to uh, look like this. Um, Shifley, Connor, Ayafalo, and Velarde, and Josh Morrissey, PP2 is going to... This is a pretty exciting group. Perfetti... Vili, Nino, Niederreiter, Vladimetsnikov. Is that right, Brendan Dillon? No, Pionk. Oh, Pionk, excuse me. What am I thinking about? Um, there you go. So uh, that's the way things look for tonight. And you just mentioned Ehlers-Ream. Uh, I, I kind of have to agree with you. 
This is just weird. I mean, he's been fully cleared by the team. We talked about it yesterday when Rick Bonus was speaking about it. And it's about if Nick feels ready and well enough to play. And Rick said, there's nothing more than I'd love for him to come in the next morning and say, you know what, I'm good to go. I'm ready to play. Well, that hasn't happened. He's skating in the side group. And again, we're not going to get much information on this on a daily basis. But considering the, the injury history of Nikolai Ehlers, combined with how damn important he is to this team and how good he is when he's on the ice, uh, I, I, I have to say this feels a little ominous going into the season, and it is somewhat... Uh, it reminds me of a, you know some situation that he's had in the past few years, and that's not good for a team that needs to have a great start to the season. Yeah, Jeff brought it up earlier this week. It feels like last year where, what, they said he was going to be out for a short time. And then he ended up having surgery for a hernia, a sports hernia, and he was out for a while. So, And then, you know, he came back, played well, and got hit by, you know, I thought it was a cheap shot from Ryan Hartman, which uh, we can't, can't wait till uh, the Wild come back to Canada Life Center. But, again, it does feel a bit deja vu here. And I don't know if it's, you know, there could be a number of reasons why uh, you're getting you know, neck spasms or whatever else is going on. So, you know, hope he's okay. Hope he can come back. But they're waiting till he feels uh, 100%. Uh, and so yep. we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see, Hus. I, I don't, I mean, it's hard to evaluate. You know, IFL is getting a big shot here, taking his spot on the line. And, yeah, we'll see. And, and you did mention, I'll just throw up the Sens lines. They're bringing, uh, you know, bringing basically their normal lineup. But, you know, get a nice look at Tarasenko here. In a Sens uniform, uh, Kachuk, Stutzla, Giroux, Joseph, Grieg, Tarasenko, Kublik, uh, offseason edition, Chardy, and Josh Bailey, who's now on the Sens. Who else? We got Sen- you know, their defense is pretty much I the regular. I completely forgot Josh Bailey was on Ottawa. He, like, just, I think he just, he signed a PTO. I'm not sure, but yeah, we're not getting Drake Batherson and who Josh Norris. He's kind of been, you know, there. Yeah. Nick, Nick Lyler is where they signed him to a big deal, and he's had you know, double shoulder surgery. He hasn't played in preseason. Um, but their defense looks, you know, the, the new contract, Jake Sanderson, Artem Zub, who Shabbat, Chikrin, Branstrom, Hamannick. So they got their regular D there, and they got two, you know, two and a half forward lines here. So we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with this game. Um, yeah, and uh, Anton Forsberg and Corpusalo, the, uh, the netminders, looks like Forsberg's going to be the guy. But we'll see what happens tonight. We do have a bunch of Rick bonus. We'll save that for uh, maybe in between Brandon and Mike uh, or afterwards. But just before we get to Brandon, quick bomber news. Roster coming out today. We knew that this team was exceptionally healthy, as are the BC Lions heading into uh, the, uh, the one for all the marbles in the West tomorrow night. But Remo, we do have confirmation, and this is... We've been talking about the bad news. We've been getting on the Jets side of things with Ehlers being out. Finally, the news that Bomber fans have been waiting for for a long time. Janarian Grant back. A huge, huge boost to the Bombers' return game, which has really struggled while he's been on the sixth game. Yeah, we know the return game, uh, it's struggled. Uh, you look at other teams, Huss, against the Bombers. They're the ones going with their long returns, and we just haven't seen that. And Janarian Grant, you know he's a dynamic guy. He's what he can also uh, helps out in the receiving game a bit as well but in as a returner big plays breaking tackles we've been waiting for him because they have uh, had struggles so nice to see him back there was one other bombers note as well they released a number of players the most 
notable one, Carlton Agudosi. And I was there for the Agudosi two-touchdown game game. (laughs) where you thought he was the next Calvin Johnson. He went up there with his big frame and just snatched balls out of the air against Calgary. And then he got injured and, and just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And, I mean, they have so many receivers, didn't get a chance. I'd like to see him go somewhere because he looked magical. And I don't know what words I can use, Hustler, for that one game. It was... You're like, this guy is a secret weapon in the Where end zone. Get this guy. Oh, my God. What's he going to do? And he was in the lineup at the start of this season while mm-hmm. guys were hurt. Didn't click it. Has been on the practice roster and now has been released by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But uh, good news. Janarian Grant back. We'll get to that a little bit more later on. And, uh, of course, be all over that game tomorrow uh, before that 9 p.m. kickoff on Friday night for Winnipeg and BC from BC Place. All right, Brandon Rewicki coming up. Speaking of great hair, Brandon Rewicki, um, shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. I was there yesterday. Great spot. It's at the new one on Pemina. Got the Blue Jays game up on the TV. Toby, the cutest dog, hanging around, making everyone smile. Uh, but listen, there's a modern man close to you. Um, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the new location on Pemina, right by Bishop, where I was at, um, or the new one over on Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and make an appointment at any of the eight locations. Make sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, well, it does officially look like we can stick a fork in pool season around here, folks, although we did have some nice weather right into October. Uh, if you're thinking pools for next year, obviously you're thinking Aquatech. But what you might not know is that whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renos as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you are ready to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, Visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. And hey, with pool season and all that nice weather behind us, it's time to get ready for winter, everybody. What's your battery situation? Hey, Manitoba Battery got us through the summer with the best prices in town on batteries for the boats and ATVs and lawn tractors and campers. Now it's time to get through and survive the Winnipeg winters. Your better battery ready to do that? Well, you can find out by popping into Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue and getting it tested. And if you uh, need a new one, you'll get the best price in town, bar none, beating the pants off the big box stores. Even better yet, if you don't have to head down there, they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that easy. So make sure your car and truck or trucks are ready for winter. Manitoba Batteries got you covered. Order online and find out more on everything they've got at manitobabattery.com. You can give them a call at 783-8787 or pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, hey, Bombers on the road this week, but it's a late Friday night game. Might be a good time to mix in a little bit of the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with your Friday night plans. Of course, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can stock up for the weekend at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And don't forget, Canadian Club and Ginger Ale premixed cocktails available in 473 milliliter cans at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, 
Let's get Brandon Rewicki in here. We'll uh, get to a little bit of Jets talk and more. Brandon, what uh, what's going on? How are you, my friend? We're battling today. We're battling, but but doing good. How's it going over there? Well, listen, I want to talk about hockey, but I have a hard time not starting off every conversation I have with literally anybody about what the hell was going on yesterday in that Jays-Twins game and how that season is over 27 hours after starting the preseason and as much as, I mean, I'm a big Kikuchi guy. He's had an unbelievable season. An unconscionable decision to take out Berrios 47 pitches into a start where he was absolutely dealing for completely no reason. I, I, I don't know if I've ever been more relieved of a season ending <laughs> from a team that I've enjoyed following than that game. I mean, that that was just... You could not have picked a more season-defining game than that than that loss to the Twins. It, it, it's just infuriating. I'm, I'm so glad it's over first and foremost. But you're right. I like just the maybe I shouldn't say intelligence level. The decision making from the top of the organization right down to the players is beyond abysmal in Bush League. It, it was just stunning to watch that there. And I, I, I totally get the fact that, the, I mean, the Jays' offense is ultimately what did them in all year long. It's what did them in, in the series, right? You don't score a run in this game. Whether Barrios was in for nine or not, you're not going to win the game. But, man, I, I just can't imagine being a player on that bench, seeing the manager go up to the pitcher there and not being completely deflated on the Blue Jays' side and being jacked as hell on the twin side. It's just... There, there is, there are no numbers or analytics has to back that decision up. I'm sorry, like I just, I don't get it. And it's not like you're, you're throwing in Kikuchi, a guy that's your bullpen ace. You know what I mean? Like it's a starter that's not used to coming out of the pen that didn't pitch all that well down the stretch. And you're right. Everybody that had a pair of eyeballs saw what was going on with Barrios in that game. It's not like it was the seventh or eighth inning. It's not like it was a hundred pit. It, it just it made none of it made any sense, and you just knew you knew it was over once that decision was made. The two runs happen, you know it's over, and then to top it all off, Flatty, his brain just leaves his body at second. It's just like just unconscionable decision after the other, after the other, after the other. And I, I'm with the players, man. After the game, and even I kind of feel a little bit bad for John Schneider too, in a sense, even though. Oh, I think he's a puppet. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. zero chance I mean, right? he made yeah. that call. Zero chance that's for him. No. This guy's a baseball lifer. The, just the, even the concept of taking out a guy that you've got to sign for seven years at $131 million was a huge part of the reason why your team is even in the place that they are with how bad the hitting was this year. And throwing smoke in a place that means a lot to him. I mean, he yeah. was so up for this game. I, it's indefensible, but let's face it. Schneider will be a fall guy for this, but there's probably a couple other guys that should be in the boat with them. Yeah, and, and I, I look, I, I'm with the why I said I'm with the players. I mean, Bo Bichette pretty much called out management without specifically calling them out, saying we need to be better top to bottom. Well, who's at the top? Oh. It's Shapiro <laughs> yeah. Atkins, right? Yeah. And those I, weren't I, even I, veiled references. Yeah, Everyone knew exactly. what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Schneider as well. Like, I, mean, I, I do feel bad for him. I think it is time for him to go. But I did feel bad for him up being up there. Be like, look, what did what did you want me to do? Like, I have orders. I'm going to get canned either way. Either I don't listen to them. I'm gone. I listen to them. We lose. I'm gone. So I'm in a, <laughs> a brutal position, anyways. Um, but it's. 
I, I, I just I, I go back with this team and I just it's it's the mistake that I, I feel like people should be still talking about and just that let it letting Alex Anthopoulos go was a monumental monumental error oh, by the Blue that? Jays organization. Oh, 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 the guy that's in charge of oh yeah. Yeah. The World has he, has he been with the two, two different organizations, two different two different World Series teams? Yeah, one for both hands since he left to Toronto. <laughs> Uh, it was, yeah, uh, I mean, but, what a disappointing way. Anyways, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I'm sure that'll be a, a topic for, well, every Jays discussion over the course of what's going to seem like an endless offseason. We'll talk about that decision, but also about what really, really killed them this year. And that was the most underwhelming offensive season from a team that was capable of so much more. Um, Brandon, let's get to the Jets. We'll talk about Philly and the defense and that situation in a minute. How, what, what do you make of this Nikolai Ehlers situation and how, uh, how active are your spidey senses tingling about his status, if you will, cleared by the team, but just apparently not feeling well enough to play going into uh, now the final preseason game, which he'll miss and not even getting, uh, getting to the ice once with Cole Perfetti before uh hopefully he's ready to go for next Wednesday yeah I get, I get to go from a 10 on the infuriated meter down to a nine and a half with this <laughs> I guess, look there's a very real possibility that the t- and, and maybe it's the most likely thing that's going to happen here is that he's got a bit of a, a twinge a pull whatever it is with his neck the team's being safe game one of the season starts everything's fine this is a non-issue by the time December rolls around but I mean, going back to the playoffs last year with the mystery around whatever was bothering Nikki then, combined with the fact that, I mean, this is a problem going back four or five years, Hus, where a player is deemed day-to-day, and that day-to-day all of a sudden turns into six to eight weeks. And it's really hard for me to not have major concerns about Ehlers' readiness at this point for the early start of the season. Yeah, yeah it is a... It is a major issue, and the neck is a pretty big deal when it comes to the body of a professional athlete. So I, I'm I'm pretty concerned, to be honest. And I think a lot of it is just, once again, there's not a whole lot of clarity coming from the team on this issue. So we'll see what happens here. Well, the but- clarity, dude, the clarity is what is the most concerning of all of this. I mean, Rick Bonus has been pretty upfront saying, like, the doctors have said he's good to go. He's been cleared. Like this isn't this isn't the team coming and saying, you know what, you know he's he missed some early time in in the preseason. We just want to be careful and not have anything happen in this game. Would we rather have him go out there next week? Like I I could live with that. I'd feel a hell of a lot better if they had said that. But they've said that they're just hoping he can come in and say he feels good enough. Like they're saying he's good to go. He's not like. Something doesn't compute. And I mean, you can't help as fans of the Winnipeg Jets or people that have a stake in this team to wonder if there's more to it and to legitimately worry that 27 might not be in that lineup in game number one. And if that's the case, who the hell knows where this goes the rest of the season? Yeah, and and that's the the clarity for me is just it, it goes back to that playoff run where. It kind of feels like you almost wonder are they are like are the two sides communicating with each other on this? Because it was a similar, it was a similar sort of thing in the playoffs. It might have been reversed, actually. I think Ehlers was saying 
I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And and he wasn't given the go ahead by the organization. Exactly. So <laughs> this is different. I, I I wish I could give you an answer. I don't I don't have one. I don't have a good one. It's just concerning. That's the only thing. And and my my thing with with the way this team has dealt with injuries in the past. Again, my concern is that this day to day, seemingly day to day issue turns into something that becomes much longer than that. For a guy that's missed a ton of time over the past couple of seasons and is he's just massively important. I mean, the second line, in my opinion, is ultimately going to be what determines how far this team goes this season. You know, if, if they can provide legitimate support behind what we assume will be a pretty consistently performing top line there. So it's 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 alarm bells all over the place. I wish it could be positive news, but I do have to still kind of maintain a little bit of Occam's razor here and go, okay, what's the simplest thing? Maybe it is just let's get past the preseason and regular season. I'll be ready to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's the case, but I think it's more than fair for any fan of the team to say, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe it until I see it out there for game one. Yeah, well, it, it, exactly. I mean, this is a preseason game. We need to remember that. Chances are he's going to miss some games this year. And, you know, with new players in the lineup, maybe it's not the worst thing to have Cole Perfetti get, you know, some reps with Iafalo and Niederreiter on his wings. If that's the case, that's the way the lineup will look like without Nikolai Ehlers. But I'll tell you what, um, the thought, and again, we won't get to this, and maybe I'm getting, you know, too far away. It's impossible not to think about it, though, considering the way last season went, playoffs, I mean, all of those things. They need this guy. I mean, he's so good when he is out there. He's so important to the team, especially to a second line with a brand new center. And I mean, no one else that has the offensive ability that he brings to the table when he's out there. Um, it is a concern and it's a little eerie. Uh, and again, just fingers crossed that this is, uh, you know, we're overreacting and come next week, Nikolai Ehlers will be there and uh, can help the Jets win some uh, hockey games. Um so here's the roster tonight. Morrison DeMello, uh, Samberg and Pionk, and Dylan and Billy Hanel. Uh, Stanley out, Schmidt out, Chisholm out. Rick Bonus said last week that, you know, Billy Hanel is going to have opportunities in these last two games to, you know, sort of make the team. By all accounts, strong last game, scored a nice goal against, you know, a legit Calgary team. Where are you at with Billy's quest to be on the squad and in the lineup to begin this season. I'm, I'm stunned. I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen, to be honest. I, I thought even with his strong performance, you know, probably leading up to the Calgary game earlier this week, I thought it was just going to be a case of, you know what, the Jets have this log jam at defense that they've chosen not to rid themselves of by their own choosing and that he was just going to be the victim of a numbers game. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that, by all accounts, Hanela is going to be not only a, a Winnipeg Jed, but a game one starter for the team. And he's earned it. Uh, that, do do you think that's the case? Is that what yep. you're taking from it? Like, like, it was funny. We talked to Marat yesterday, and Marat said it's 50-50 that he's on the, on the roster and actually went with zero for in the first night. No, I don't think I, – I wouldn't put it at zero – but I still worry that maybe we're making too much about the team, obviously giving him an opportunity in this game, but knowing what he's up against, the contracts, the salaries, the waiver exemption, everything that we went through. Um, like, I still think that he needs to have a massive game tonight and continue doing what he's been doing 
and essentially make the decision for them, one that I don't think they were planning on making when camp broke. No, no, exactly. And I, I do believe that this is going to be the game one lineup. I mean, it, it, every other player in the lineup is going to be set up for game one, right? Like these are the lines that we've seen. These are the D pairings that we've been expected. Why should we think anything differently just because it's a Hanela in there instead of an H Schmidt? So I, I fully expect him to be, you know, barring a catastrophic performance here. I think he's going to be one of the Jets' six defensemen to, to start opening night. And I, I do think he's earned it as well. The only, the only shame with his performance, Huss, is that this didn't happen last year. Because if this would have happened last year, we would have had about 60, 70 games of Hanela at the NHL level to figure out more so what he's going to be. But he's he's been everything that I think the team would have hoped for. He's outplayed the defensemen that are currently below him in the pecking order, even though I think Declan Chisholm's had a pretty efficient camp, maybe not an eye-opening one, but I think he's been just fine. And I think at this point, in terms of roster decisions, we're going to see two of Capabianco, Stanley, and Chisholm ultimately waived by the team when rosters need to be submitted on Monday, which two of the three, I do not have much of an inkling as to who that's going to be. But I, I think at this point, you know, and, and I think Bones has to kind of put his his money where his mouth is, where he said, you know, Hanlow's got a chance to earn this spot here. Well, he's he's gone out there and done it. And I think he's going to be Brandon Dillon's partner, especially the fact that he's playing on his offside there. Um, you know, not set in stone for the rest of the season. Not going to be shocked if, if him and Nate Schmidt alternate over the first 10 games or so, maybe an even split. I don't know. But I just think it's a, an immense disservice to this team when you say that we want to be a winning hockey club this year. And by all accounts, Philly Hanela is one of your six best defensemen as of right now. And not putting him in the lineup would be a lie to, to that line of thinking that you've gone with all offseason long. Um, okay, so let's let's say he has a great game and that's exactly the case. And he's going to be on the roster. And whether he's, he's in or out of the lineup, we'll see. But he's on the 23. Um, how do they get there? What happens to all the other guys and do do you how nervous do you feel if Declan Chisholm hits the waiver wire considering a lot of other guys in similar positions are passing through right now as always happens this time of year and it's somehow the Jets guys that always get claimed right like yeah. I, I mean I would have thought Bernard Docker from Ottawa would get a claim right and and I mean a little bit more pedigree than than Declan Chisholm in terms of where he was drafted a few years back uh, but he was able to get through waivers there I mean, maybe it's just the Jets' luck, but I, I don't think Declan Chisholm clears if they put him down. I get the sense right now that the Jets are going to try to sneak him through. It's a wild gamble, and I just completely disagree with it. Um, but they put them, again, they put themselves in this situation by not alleviating the logjam earlier this offseason. So who are going to be the, and I, I do think the Jets go with eight defensemen to start the year. I think it's probably going to piss a lot of people off, but I think that I think Logan Stanley is going to be one of the eight. The organization, from from the organization's perspective, I think they feel like they've invested a lot of time and resources into him, and I don't, I just, I don't think they're going to pass pass him through just yet. And I mean, Capabianco might be a guy that you can clear through waivers, and I think we talked about this last week. He's been a great soldier for this team. If you lose him. That's kind of the way it goes, and you can probably find somebody similar as the season goes along. 
But man, uh, I, I just I think it's a really, really risky game going with the Declan Chisholm on waivers if, if that's ultimately what they do. And it would be wild as well as because try the same thing last year with Kovacevic, you get burned. I mean, you, you think you learn your lesson after it happens in a negative sense the first time, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's likely, the who's for me more on likely that. to get claimed on waivers, Chisholm or Stan? I think it might. I think I think they both get claimed. I, I just personally, I feel like Chisholm has a higher ceiling at the NHL well, level. And, and, right we, now. Haven't, and we haven't seen him yet at the NHL level. I mean, that's the thing for a for an organization that is draft and develop that you know prides itself on drafting well, putting these young men in positions to grow with the Manitoba Moose and then take that next step. Um, I, I mean, listen, they put a lot into this young man, just as you've said. He has excelled at the American Hockey League level. I think it would be a real bitter pill for uh, everyone involved in getting him to this point if he gets his NHL opportunity with another organization. Yeah, well, you don't develop guys so other teams can benefit from it. <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not draft, develop, and lose, right? Like, it's supposed to be draft and develop and have them play with you. But again, like, this is, I, I, this is a situation going back to two training camps ago, Huss where we knew there was too many bets on this roster and there were too many youngsters trying to bang down the door for a spot. And they were just caught in between, well, do we want the vets in to kind of go for a run or do we want to open a spot or two to give the kids a chance? And, and this is what happens. Like as an organization, you, you don't really reap the benefits of what your supposed main tenant is, which is draft and develop. And it's hard as well for me, Hus, you know, seeing the Jets struggle with this, to look at a team like New Jersey – who have Stanley Cup aspirations this year and moved on from a much more effective defenseman in Damon Severson to give some of their young kids a chance. And not a chance, but top four minutes on and a team grapes. that has, And grapes. Yeah, yeah right? Like, they they're, they let go a few mm. guys. And yes, you could say that, you know, Nemich and Hughes have a lot more more pedigree and upside than than the Jets defenseman, and that's 1,000% true. They're also entrusting them to play 20 minutes a night right now for a cup-contending team, a team that will finish with 15 more points than the Winnipeg Jets have this year. So, I, yeah, I, I just don't buy the whole, you know, we can't we can't litter our team with, with youngsters argument because this is something the Jets should have been doing for a long time, and it needs to be something that gets corrected hopefully sooner than later here. But I do get the sense that by the time Tuesday and the waiver wire claims roll around that we're going to see the Jets lose at least one defenseman. And it's not going to surprise me, barring a trade, that they lose a young defenseman for absolutely nothing. Yeah, well, that is something that uh, certainly everyone is going to be paying very close attention to as we um, you know, get closer to next Wednesday and uh, final cuts are made around the league. Um, it is going to be uh, – it, it'll be tense, I'm sure. And I'm not even – entirely convinced that all those decisions have been made yet in a lot of ways brandon it is going to be um it's going to be very tough to make that decision either way because let's face it this does go back a couple years to what let's not forget when it happened you know those two moves in the off season coming off the season where we thought that this team was just right there but they didn't have the depth on the blue line they didn't like these young guys weren't ready well they went and got brandon Dillon, and they went and got nate schmidt they both had term to their contracts. And that is, I mean, that has really complicated things. And Nate, I mean, God bless him. I mean, a great guy, fun to talk to. 
they needed his personality in and around of the club. And at the time, he certainly was one of their top six guys. And very well may still be a top six guy, you know, based on the depth chart that they have. But again, at a certain point, if there's no turnover on that, you end up blocking your young players. They don't get an opportunity. They're essentially at a standstill. The organization's at a standstill. And I have no doubt that they would have looked into potentially trading, you know, one of those players. But it probably came with the cost of, you know, give us a first-round pick. And obviously that's, that's, exactly not, some, that's not something yeah. that this organization can do or wants to do. And they're stuck in a uh, in a pretty pretty unique situation. Well, we'll see what happens tonight. And uh, all eyes on number 14 in particular. And then all eyes on the general managers. We get uh, final clarity on this roster going into next week. Um, great stuff, as always, man. Uh, fill people in on what's coming up on skates and plates as we uh, get ready for the uh, opening of the regular season next week. Yeah, yeah. New episode tomorrow, breaking down the big one tonight. And then um, next one on Tuesday, uh, season preview show. So full-on predictions, all that good stuff should be interesting. By the way, Hus, we do our um, our bold prediction show that I, I mentioned. Um, 32 bold predictions for each team. My, my, my brother Tyson, who works with CGOB, has already nailed one before the season started. And this is not a lie. He said Mike Babcock would not last the season with the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was two <laughs> days before the number two hit the fan there. So our bold predictions have worked out okay so far. We'll see if like the legit ones can, can match up with what we got going on there so far. Anybody making a bold prediction of, uh, you know, 108 points and uh, home ice in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> uh, not, not with, uh, not with the team in Winnipeg, um, <laughs> maybe a different team. Uh, we'll look forward to checking it out. Folks get to uh, skates and plates wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thanks for doing this B. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one, man. Right on. There's Brandon Rewicki. Uh, we are going to stay on the Jets. Well, and we will take a quick detour into Blue Jays land. Mike McIntyre's coming up. And, uh, of course, he and Kenny Weeb were at the game. But as we uh, talk with the Jets, folks, do not forget, next Saturday, well, a week Saturday, is the Winnipeg Jets home opener. Just announced Petrick. And, uh, and and I will say this, a band called Wicked Awesome is going to be doing, they are a, a, a rock cover band. I have seen them before. Absolutely hilarious and very entertaining. Uh, but Petrick's going to be doing the anthems, going to be playing at the party in the plaza. That's from noon until 2.30 before the home opener. Tons of entertainment, DJs, the bands I mentioned, cultural performances, food and bev from the Hargrave Street Market vendors. So, um Get your tickets for the home opener and make a plan to be at the party in the plaza with your fellow Jets fans getting ready for the season on the 14th. And if you haven't already, gang, we've got a few seats left for our Winnipeg Sports Talk ticket pack. Four games. The Kings on the 17th of October. Oilers the 30th of November. Saturday night against the Leafs in January. Thursday night in April against the Calgary Flames. Get to the link. WinnipegSportsTalk.com. If you're listening to the podcast, click it there. If you're with us on YouTube, in the description is a link. Um, we've had amazing response from WSTers on this, and uh, there's still room for a few more of you. So uh, join us, click the link, and we'll look forward to getting the crew together pre-game outside section 316 and 317 on the 17th of October. Um, hey, shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. 
Great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. Online ordering available and same-day delivery if you order by 11 a.m. And right now, get a free gift when you place an order for $100 or more at myvita.ca. Vita Health, proud local company, family-owned since 1936. Empowering people to health, uh, to lead healthy lives. Six locations and online at myvita.ca. Well, big changes with the season right now. You know Wallace and Wallace are the fencing experts and have been that way for over seven decades here in Winnipeg. What you might not know, they're also the experts in uh, overhead doors. And your overhead door had lots of ups and downs this summer. Working hard to get you and your family to all the fun things you did. Well, it's about to work a heck of a lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today. For residential and commercial overhead door sales and service, there's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. Find them online at wallacedoors.com or pop down to their uh, showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. This is before we bring in Mike. How's the closet looking, gang? Uh, change of seasons, maybe a change of look. If you need to up your menswear game, you know where to go. F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And if you are getting married or in a wedding party, Talk to the gang at F for a 15% discount when the wedding party gets your suits at F Apparel. It's all there at 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more on what F has available for you or make an appointment to come in online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. All right, let's get Mike McIntyre in here. Back from his roadie with his new colleague, Kenny Weeb, down to the Twin Cities. Mike, I promise we won't spend too much time on this, but I'm sure... You have takes and observations from, I mean, well, maybe the most appropriate way the Blue Jays could have possibly ended their season. You were there. First of all, how was it? it looked like a great atmosphere there in the Twin Cities, and uh, certainly the home fans went home very pleased. Yes, this is uh, this is going to be a little bit of a therapy session, I think, for me <laughs> and other Blue Jays fans. It's one thing to lose. Um it's another to lose the way the Blue Jays did. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, the atmosphere was fantastic. Look, I, I actually, I'm a Twins fan as well. I've, I've often cheered for the Minnesota Twins, and I would have been cheering for the Twins had they been playing anybody other than the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, so let me just start off by saying I'm thrilled for the Twins, and I'm thrilled for their fans. Uh, as you know, and I'm sure most Manitobans know, absolutely great ballpark in downtown Mini. Um, it was 29 degrees on Tuesday afternoon. So, you know, it, it didn't feel like October baseball. It felt like July baseball. And it felt like it felt like I was at an exorcism because the Twins have had some demons of their own. In fact, they had an 18-game playoff losing streak that goes back two decades. I believe 2004 was the last time they won. So for all the frustrations that Blue Jay fans are probably feeling after, you know, several now uh, years of uh, of swings and misses and, and when it comes to the playoffs, the Twins, they had the Jays beat, you know, and then some. Uh, so it was 
like when they won game one, the atmosphere was just electric. The stadium was, was, was alive even early in game one, Huss. I mean, my, my quads are sore from constantly sitting down and standing up every single time they'd get a blue Jay pitcher or a blue Jay batter, sorry, to two strikes, the entire 38,000 at target would rise. And of course you had to stand if you wanted to see anything. So we're talking, I mean, the Jays were often at two strikes. There was a lot of up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, And even just walking back to the hotel after the game, the chanting and the singing, uh, people were in a great mood. So I feel I'm happy for Twins fans. And I'll say this, I'll be rooting for the Twins now to take down those cheaters from Houston and, and hopefully go the whole way. By the way, I had a woman sitting beside me both games. I think she's a psychic. So it's it's game one the other night or the other day, and everyone stands when Royce Lewis comes to the plate. Now, I must admit, I haven't followed the Twins all that closely this year, but the entire crowd stands like when he comes to bat. So I turned to her and I said, why are we standing? Because they hadn't for the first two batters. And she said, because he hits home runs. And I'm like, oh, Okay. You know, and then I was thinking like, oh, this will be great when he strikes out. And I can say to her, like, but we stood for this. Well, of course, what does Royce Lewis do? He goes yard, not once, but twice uh, in game one, drives in all three runs. He uh, and many others enjoyed that moment and those moments. But uh, yeah, the Blue Jays, like I said, I mean, it's one thing to lose. The self-inflicted wounds that this team and and for those of us who follow this team, you know, kind of game in, game out. Unfortunately, I guess all of us hoping that maybe we'd see a bit of a a smarter, more mature Blue Jays team emerge in the playoffs. Um, who's the coach years ago, Haas NFL coach that said they are they are who we thought they were? A former Vikings coach Danny Green, although he was with the Cardinals at the time. Very appropriate. The Blue Jays are who we thought they were. They're a team with tremendous pitching, which unfortunately um, doesn't get you anywhere when you have inept hitting um, and just brain-dead base running like Vladdy Guerrero. (laughs) Every game game it's something. And when you turn your entire on-field operations over to a bunch of computers that, you know, and algorithms and – uh, I heard one guy, uh, I was listening to the post-game show as we drove out of mini late last night uh, with Blair and Barker, and it was it was an absolute gold mine. I believe it was Bar- uh, Barker who referred to chat GPT as running the Blue Jays, <laughs> which, was, which was just tremendous because, you know, the algorithm, I guess, told them to take Jose Barrios out of the game last night. Uh, they should have unplugged that stupid computer and relied on what they were actually seeing on the field. This is a guy who was dominating. And because some algorithm probably told them that letting him go through the order a second time was not necessarily the best, like it backfired spectacularly. Hey, let me ask you, let me just quickly ask you, Mike. Yeah. I mean, you and Ken are there. I mean, it's a tight game. Oh. One guy out, he's 12 batters in. He'd look great. I mean, what what, what was what were Just, you and Ken saying when well, they came out and all of a sudden he was leaving? Gucci's rolling in. So I don't know if they showed this at home, Huss. First inning, Barrios is is on the mound. 
Kikuchi's warming up in the first inning. Now we can see we can see that where the the dugout or the bullpen, sorry, I don't know if they ever showed that on TV. But so honestly, we were and there was a bunch of Blue Jays fans in our section, and everyone just kind of looked at each other. Even when Kikuchi was warming up, like it's the first inning. What are you doing? And it's not like he was in any trouble. Cruise through the first and the second and the third and was about to cruise probably through the fourth. Um, but the fact that they started warming Kikuchi up in the first inning, everybody was like, oh, my God, they've overthought this. They're going to they're going to do something completely stupid. And they did. Um, so, you know, it it seems to me, Hus, the, this was the plan all along. It didn't matter what Jose Brios did or didn't do. Um, I mean, I honestly wondered if they were going to go to Kikuchi in like the second inning, the first time a lefty came up, <laughs> which as Kenny, you know, very adaptly put it, you have, you have uh, Chris Bassett, who was going to be the game three starter, or maybe he was going to be a reliever. I have no idea what they were planning to do with him yesterday. Chris Bassett won like 16 games. I think he, you know, he's among the leaders in the, in the league. He, and was, he was the leader in the yeah. AL. You could make a valid argument that Chris Bassett was actually their best starting pitcher. If you didn't trust Jose Barrios to go at least twice through the lineup yesterday, even when he's dealing, why was he even starting in the first? Why why wouldn't you start Chris Bassett then? It's just, and this idea that while you were saving something for game three, you got to get through game two after you lost game one to even have a game three. There was no tomorrow as it turned out. It's just, and look, I know a lot of people, they're all over John Schneider, and John Schneider has done things this year as a manager that make you shake your head and scratch your head. The fact is, Huss, John Schneider probably had zilch to do with pulling Jose Brio. He was told what to do. And for people who think, well, they should fire Schneider, if you're management and ownership, why would you fire the yes man who's going along with everything that you're telling him to do. The last thing they'd want is a manager who's going to push back and, and you know, an old school guy who's going to say to hell with your computers, I'm trusting what I see. So, I mean, Schneider is kind of a scapegoat here, but he's just being a company man. The problem is the company and the way that they're running, um, you know, this is like, this is money ball to the extreme. Now, this is the new money ball, the, kind of AI or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it's just, and again, I, I, I'm not diminishing analytics. I think in baseball, probably more than any sport, there's real value in, in, you know, trends and predictability and all that. But where has the actual feel for the game gone? And what we saw yesterday just was so out of touch with reality <laughs> that honestly, when they pulled Barrios at that point, you know, it's it's a tie. It's, it's still zero zero, right? I actually said to Kenny, "I hope they lose. They deserve to lose." Like, and I'm a Blue Jays fan, but that, I was so fed up with, and I think others were too. It was kind of like, okay, they lost me here. Uh, they deserve to lose, and you know, they did. You know, not not to uh, not to get into politics at all, but I will make a comparison. I mean, I often note that you know, in 2023. Post pandemic, you know, the political discourse has gone from, you know, there's a lot of moderates, there's people on the right and the left, and now everything is gone. Like 
the, the right is so extreme yes. now and the left is so extreme now and they're all crazy and it's you know and, and it is um counterproductive absolutely to everything this is analytics which certainly have some benefits to it getting taken so far to the extreme yeah. Yeah. it defies all of common sense much like a lot of things that have come out in political discourse over the last few Agreed. years i'm i'm i've always been more of a mod i i try to see all sides part of it Haas, i think 20 years of covering crime and justice um that's part of what i would sit in in court every you you, you know you hear the crown you'd hear the defense um it's not always black and white there are shades of gray that's life you can call me moderate mike moderate mike mcintyre triple m maybe um but i must admit i i'm so angry at what they did here i'm i'm going way more to one side on this because it just it boggles the mind and you know i couldn't help but wonder Huss, don mattingly is like i forget what his actual title with the jays is he's like an assistant coach the or whatever right? coach i think yeah donnie baseball <laughs> he's old school i have to wonder like at any point when this is happening and in John Schneider's going to yank Barrios out of the game. Like Don Mattingly must have been inside, just absolutely ready to erupt over what he out. Was... He should have jumped out of the dugout and tackled him Tackle. exactly. on the way to the mound. Exactly. And so good on a couple players. Um, you know, Whit Merrifield's probably, I think they have the Jays have an option that they're probably not going to exercise. So he's gone. And I love that Whit Merrifield just kind of took the blowtorch to the decision. He kind of said, this is everything that's wrong with baseball. Um, but you could tell, like even Laddie and Bo, like they they when he came out to get him, they, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. No, and, and, and I'll tell and you this, Huss. If I'm Jose Brios, for everything I've heard about him, he's a classy guy. Like, if I'm Jose Brios, I'm going right into management's office and saying, like, trade me. If this is how you, you paid me all this money, why the hell did you give me 131 million dollars? Right. And if- that's what and not happen. to toot my own horn, but I'm a big reason that you're even here today. I helped get you here, and I'm fired up. I'm dealing, and this is how you treat me? And what does this say? Like, if you're the Jays and you're now trying to attract some other free agents, especially pitchers, like, why would you even want to go to an organization that handles its its key pieces like this? Well, the, uh, irony, the irony of the whole thing, Mike, is, is that – the pitching was the reason why they ah, got here. And, I mean, I think you can make a lot of arguments that the way they handled, I mean, Manoa imploding this guy was a Cy Young finalist last year, right. nowhere to be seen. Well, terrible, and then nowhere to be seen. And they did a great job of assembling a staff that came through, a bullpen that did a really good job. And, again, oh, this is the story coming out of the game. Not but the reason the, they lost. The reason why they lost the game was One this run. team just couldn't hit a damn thing whenever anything was on the line. And, I mean, I have no theories on how a team with so much talent, guys that have done it in the past, couldn't do it this year. But that's going to keep a lot of people oh. up for a lot of nights this year in that Blue Jays front office because something didn't work. And uh, they were the least clutch team with the most opportunities, and that's why with all that talent and and honestly, a pitching staff that provided championship 
level pitching top yeah. to bottom throughout the year why they are two and done and now zero and six in the last three trips yeah they they completely wasted it and i do have a theory about the hitting us i think it goes back to again the analytics and the the micromanaging everything i think i think some of these hitters from vladdy to, you know that they're they're hearing so many different things about what they're supposed to be doing at the plate like the 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 concept of just letting good hitters go up and kind of get a feel for the game and do their thing like turn them loose i think that you know vladdy's probably got 30 people in his ear with their spreadsheets and printouts telling them everything pulling them in a million different directions and the end result is you get batters that go up there looking completely confused. They take pitches they should be swinging at. They swing at pitches they should be taking. Um, I can't remember if it was Blair or Barker. Well, I'll leave you with this on this topic. They had a great line. They referred yesterday to the bottom of the lineup, specifically Chapman and Varsho, as the human air conditioners because they just go up swinging <laughs> and creating creating a draft with their bats as they swing through the air, I thought that was a, a pretty fitting uh, description of, of some of their batters. Yeah, well, I, Matt Chapman cost himself a lot of money this year as well as he gets to free agency. He's certainly yes. not going to get what he would have gotten a year or two uh, ago. Uh, well, we uh, we closed the coffin on the uh, 2023 Blue Jays. Glad I got that off my chest. <clears throat> Pour the better. dirt on it and now get ready for uh, for hockey season. Mike? Um, you know, all week long while you guys have been away, we've been paying close attention, obviously, to the game on Monday. Billy Hanela's performance, the fact that he is in the lineup tonight. I mean, this basically looks like the opening night roster minus Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's your read of this situation? We've had different opinions from from different people. I mean, has Billy Hanela put himself in a position that with a strong game tonight, he's A on the team? And if he is, is he be in the lineup next Wednesday in Calgary? I think to answer part A, absolutely, he's he's on the team. Uh, and B, I, I really do think that he's in the starting lineup at this point, Huss. Um, and I think tonight is a real tell. Now, if he goes out and has a terrible game, does that maybe change things? I'd like to think that his leash isn't so short that they wouldn't look at the larger body of preseason work where I think Vili Hainala has been terrific in, in preseason games. Um, but tonight's going to be a good test. The Senators are bringing basically their starting lineup tonight. So, you know, he's going he's gonna to be out there against some, some really good NHL uh, veteran players. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's happened here, Huss, that's maybe – open the door a little more for Billy and to his credit, he's taken full advantage is Nate Schmidt suffering. What doesn't sound like any kind of serious injury, but it's kept him out of a couple games that he probably would have played. And I really feel like Billy Hanela has kind of jumped past Nate Schmidt on the internal depth chart. Um, and, you know, it's telling that Nate Schmidt was participating in morning skate today like he wasn't out with Ehlers and uh, Capo Bianco and the few other guys that are banged up right now. They had their own secondary skate. Nate Schmidt was with the regular group today, as was Logan Stanley. 
and they were wearing regular sweaters, not no contact sweaters, but they were the seventh and eighth defensemen today. And I do think that's telling that, you know, Villy's going to get the the nod here in, in this kind of final dress rehearsal for the season. And uh, it, it makes me think, Haas, that Nate Schmidt r- right now might be a very expensive seventh defenseman in the eyes of the organization. Um, and we've talked about it in the past over the summer, like if the Jets could have traded Nate Schmidt, move that contract without paying a premium, I think they absolutely would have. I think they've tried to move Nate Schmidt. And is there a team out there that would take him? Probably, but the Jets would have to pay a price that I don't think they're willing to pay. Uh, and so they, you know, they may be in a position where they park Nate Schmidt at times. And I'm not saying Billy Hanel is going to be in the lineup 82 games this year. Like, I almost wonder if there's a bit of a rotation earlier in the season. And of course, they can do some of the same things, right? In terms of the second power play unit. Like it was Pionk and Schmidt as the two defensemen with that group. Well, now tonight it's going to be Pionk and Hainala while Schmidt sits. So you could come kind of make a swap there at times, Billy and, and Nate Schmidt. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, Rick Bonus flat out said, we're going to make this team on merit. We're not going to, we're not, we're not making decisions based on contract status or seniority or whatever. It's one thing to say that, it's another to actually do it. But I think someone of Rick Bonus's, you know, presence and experience, I get the sense he really does mean what he says. And look, if they were to go and now send Billy down to the Moose tomorrow or not have him in the lineup tonight, to me that would just that would make his words ring pretty hollow. And, you know, we know Rick Bonus is all about kind of setting, you know, sending messages, setting the tone. And so I think he's trying to create an, a, a positive environment here where players can succeed. And if Billy Hainala, in fact, is in the starting lineup next week, then I think, you know, he kind of, his words rang true, which is how it should be. Well, uh, um, and listen, we're going to hear from Bones uh, after we uh, finish up this chat. I'm just going to read a, a tweet from Billick. Um, and he said, uh, Bonus stopped short of saying Billy Hanel has won a spot on the uh, team, suggesting that will be decided tonight. Bonus said Hanel has done everything he can to earn a spot. I, I mean, this can't entirely come down to one preseason game against the Ottawa Senators, can it? Or is that just him no, and- it, it, you know, making a point of saying that it's not all done yet. Tonight is, you know, it's important for him to show what he can do. Uh, I mean, yeah. How did you read that? Yeah, I didn't read that. So I, I know if you just look at the words, you go like, oh, that's kind of really, really putting it out there for Billy. Like you better, you better perform tonight or else you're out. I didn't read it that way at all from Rick Bonus. I just read it that he's not ready to say right now before the final preseason game. Yeah, he's made this team and yeah, I've got him in my top six. I think the fact he's playing tonight is a sign of how Rick Bonus views him. Um, and so, you know, I think with young players, sometimes coaches, they don't want to go overboard heaping on the praise. But I think if you kind of look at Rick's entire comment um, on Vili Hainala, like there was a lot of praise worked in there. 
And, you know, he went on to kind of talk about things that Billy's done better this year compared to last year. Uh, he's stronger, competing harder in the corners, he said, um, really moving the puck better than he was a year ago. Um, so I, I felt kind of taking the all the comments from Rick Bonus. I walked away from that scrum this morning uh, at thinking, oh, yeah, he's he's good. He's in. Um as I say, does that mean he's for sure the number six guy, or five or six, whatever you want to say, and, you know, he's there to stay? Well, of course not. Um, and they're paying Nate Schmidt a lot of money, and Nate Schmidt's got a lot of miles under his his belt. Nate Schmidt's going to play this year. I mean, unless the Jets can find a trade partner in short order here to maybe clear a spot. But I fully expect that Nate Schmidt's going to see a lot of games this year. I just think Billy Hainala has really worked himself into the mix. And the other part of this, Huss, that we haven't touched on yet, is it's it may now force the Jets to not just expose one guy to waivers, which we all knew was going to happen, whether it was Kyle Capobianco, Logan Stanley, or Declan Chisholm. Um, all things being equal, everyone being healthy, they were for sure going to have to expose one of those three guys the, I think the belief was that Villy, because of his contract status, he doesn't need waivers, he'd go down, and then they, they could keep two of those three. If they keep Villy Hanala, they now have to expose two of those three to waivers. Um, and well, just, you know, well, just on, on that topic, yeah. Mike, I mean, let's get into that, because you know, I was just talking with Rewiki about this, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface this with saying we always... When I see we, I mean, I think people in any particular market, they focus, they know the prospects from their team, they right. watch them, they follow them. We inevitably often overvalue yep. our own. Um, that being said, I asked a lot of people at the draft, if Declan Chisholm was available on waivers upcoming up next season, would he get picked up? And a lot of people said yes. Um, same goes with Logan Stanley. I mean, Stanley... I think people would think there'd be a team that as a project would say, you know what, maybe we will give him a chance at least whether yeah. he stays or not. I mean, again, you're taking a flyer on a guy for nothing. It's very easy to do if you've got room. Um, where are you on both of those players? If they, who's more likely to get claimed in the case of Chisholm, who certainly seems to be the ninth defenseman right now, yeah. who I hate to say it is probably the most likely to likely to go. Um, realistically, as we see all the other guys clearing through waivers, should be, we be as worried that Declan might be gone without ever really getting a chance to show what he can do in the NHL level if he's placed on waivers this week? You know, I'm, I'm more confident today than I would have been 24 hours ago about the potential to pass through. And it has to do with a guy that we might have otherwise seen play tonight at Canada Life Center in, in Jacob Bernard Docker, who... For those folks who don't know, he's a right shooting defenseman who's only 23 years of age, got some size, six foot one ninety, and he's got the pedigree. He was a first round pick in 2018, 26th overall, and he cleared waivers uh, yesterday, and a lot of people were surprised by that. Huss. Now the Senators, I think a couple days earlier, they lost another first rounder though, a defenseman that they tried to get through waivers in Lassie uh, Thompson. So there was a lot of thought that, oh, my God, the Senators are going to lose two first-rounders to waivers uh, defensemen. Um, they lost one, uh, 
and then they they got one through. Um, look, I haven't seen enough of Jacob Bernard Docker versus Declan Chisholm to, or even Logan Stanley to say like who's got the bigger upside. Um, you know who's the better player right now. All I know is that a guy that a 23-year-old, 26 overall pick, who's a right shot, those guys, as we know, are pretty valuable, Huss, uh, passed through waivers yesterday. Is that a timing thing? And, and it goes back to what I've often wondered. Like, is there the GM strategically pick a day or when they think that they maybe have a better chance of sneaking a guy through? Absolutely, they do. Right. And so, like... I think one of the reasons, Haas, that as we sit here today, even though Stanley, Stanley Chisholm and Capo Bianco, although he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, and Chisholm as well, but all three of those guys aren't playing tonight. The fact they haven't put any of them on waivers yet is not a surprise because, Haas, what if tonight, you know, knock on wood here, but what if two two of the six defensemen tonight get hurt? Good point. And, and suddenly can't play next week. Well, now all of a sudden you've bought yourself a little more time, right? Um, and you can you imagine the the backlash if you had put a lost a guy on waivers and then then you get an injury that you go, oh my God, we didn't have to put him on waivers right now. So I think if you're the Jets, well, you might strategically want to consider when you're going to put a Capo Bianco or a Chisholm or if it's a Stanley. I think there's also value in at least waiting until after tonight's game. Make sure everyone comes out of tonight um, you know, unscathed. Uh, does that mean that we could see as early as tomorrow a waiver move or two? I, I think it's possible. Or do they wait until the weekend or even early next week when most teams at that point have probably got their 23-man roster? And I don't know the answer to that, but it's certainly a storyline to, uh, to keep an eye on here in the waning days of camp. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us talking Jets. Final preseason game tonight against the Ottawa Senators. Opening game next Wednesday in Calgary. And then the home opener, Saturday, October 14th, 3 p.m. at Canada Life Centre. The other thing that we've been talking about today quite a bit, Mike, is Nikolai Ehlers' status with the club. Everybody else up front is healthy. Everybody else up front is playing. He will not play tonight. All the left wingers will move up. David Gustafson slides in on that fourth line, showing that he pretty much is the 13th forward. 13th, yeah. But I just find this one so weird in that, you know, it was a neck spasm to start it off. He's been back. He lost the non-contact jersey. He's been cleared by doctors. And Rick Bonus has said this is basically up to him, and he's not feeling well enough to play. <laughs> Like, what's going to change before next Wednesday? How concerned should fans and the organization, frankly, be about Nikolai Ehlers right now, considering he's going to go through the preseason without playing? Or is this a complete overreaction or fear based on the fact that he's so important to the club and has had some bad luck when it comes to being out of the lineup in the past? No, I think there's reason to be concerned, Huss. And, I mean... You have to go now back to last Saturday. I was at that practice at Iceplex. The Jets were um, coming off. They had played wherever it was last, uh, in Ottawa, I guess, the night before. Um, but they had, you know, preseason games coming up. Um, and Nikolai Ehlers on Saturday, last Saturday, declared himself good to go. 
and said he was going to play the last two games. Practiced fully on Friday. Uh, uh, he didn't go to Ottawa with that group, but he skated. And then he had a full practice on Saturday with Cole Perfetti and Nino Niederreiter and talked about it's going to be exciting to finally get our line and get a couple games under our belts. Um, ben Huss, like, he didn't even skate the other day prior to the game. Like, he wasn't even on the ice on uh, on Tuesday or on Monday, sorry, uh, before they went west to Calgary. And, and then, like, yesterday, Rick Bonus says, well, it'll be Nikolai's decision. I... He might be a game time decision today, but then the Jets released the the roster late in the afternoon, and he's not even on it. Um, and then today, like he's not even with the main group as a potential extra guy. Well, and Rick said on on Monday it's unlikely that he'll play on Thursday. So I mean, right. to me, there's it's, a little bit more to it. And like I, I listen, I don't want to say Rick seems like he's getting exasperated, whatnot, but. I feel like he is. <laughs> okay, maybe he is a little bit. Like it's like okay. I mean, what's what's the issue? And um, we don't really know. We haven't heard about it. But I mean, to think of how different that second line looks with and without Nikolai Ehlers is significant. Um, although maybe it's a good thing they got the amount of quantity back for Pierre Luc Dubois right. because yeah. that seems like they're going to need it and. You know, we were talking about, oh, who fits better with Perfetti, Ayafal, or Niederreiter? Well, I guess we'll find out tonight because they're both going to be on his line. They are. Now, Huss, like, if I were to handicap it, um, I still think it's more likely than not that Nikolai Ehlers is is in the lineup next Wednesday in Calgary. I don't know. I'd say I'm 80% confident of that. But, again, a few days ago, or certainly last Saturday, I would have said I was 100% confident. I would have said I was 100% confident that he was playing both preseason games this week, and he won't have played either of them. So I don't know. And again, this is a player that does have a bit of a history with injuries. And, you know, he told us last Saturday that he did this in the weight room, and it's something it's something he's done hundreds of times without any issue and now all of a sudden, this time, boom. But it does feel like, is there more to this than just spasms? Um, you know, you'd think that we're now, well, today's Thursday, Haas. I believe the, if, if my dates are right here, I think it was 15 days ago that he was doing the weights that caused it. That's a That's half a month now with neck spasms that, almost at times seem to be getting worse, not better, because as I say, he kind of ramps up and then he skates, but then he's not even on the ice at all a couple days later. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, of effort behind the scenes being made to, to find ways to treat whatever this is, but I don't know if they even fully know yet what they're dealing with. Um, and everybody's just hoping, obviously, for the best. But there is reason to be concerned. Uh, but as I say, I, I still think that he'll play next Wednesday. Um, but I, I certainly won't guarantee it. Well, going to be an interesting one tonight. I mean, uh, all eyes on 14. Um, yes. We'll see, uh, you know, Cole Perfetti, another shot to uh, show what he can do at center, albeit with new line mates again. And then some big decisions will be made, and uh, we'll be talking about it here on WST. And <clears throat> I'm sure you, 
Ken and the rest of the crew have uh, quite a bit on your plate as we get ready for uh, next Wednesday, Mike. We do, yeah. We uh, mentioned we've got some new features that we're putting together. Last weekend, we had our first monthly mailbag at the Free Press. And this Saturday, Huss, Penny and I will be debuting our new, uh, we're going to have a, a weekly Saturday kind of around the NHL. It'll be very Jets-focused, but there'll be some other elements to it as well. Uh, column that'll run every Saturday in the print edition and online as well. So we're looking forward to uh, to putting our uh, our heads together and uh, and getting that column up and running. Uh, and yeah, we'll see uh, you know whether we get news tomorrow about some cuts. Uh, for folks who don't know the schedule, the Jets are practicing tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday. They're taking off. Uh, they're doing some team bonding. I think there's a fishing. Uh, although hopefully the weather cooperates. Maybe they'll bite a little better if it's raining, actually. But I believe there's some kind of fishing expedition on Saturday that they're partaking in. And, and I'm sure there'll be some Thanksgiving uh, dinners consumed on Sunday. Then they'll be back Monday to practice, Tuesday to practice, and fly to Calgary. What I don't know the answer to, Huss, is do they pretty much make the team tomorrow after tonight's game? And, you know, for the bonding and all that that's going to happen, like, is that just going to be basically the roster? Or do they punt it? through the weekend and uh, they punt it through the weekend and, and, you know, make those final decisions on say Sunday evening or something and come Monday kind of with the team. I don't know. Uh, it, but, you know, part of me wonders if they might not kind of pretty much form the roster tomorrow, guys that are going to need waivers would go tomorrow and they would, you know, the moose they're ramping up of course as well. So, uh, we'll see. It could be a it could be a newsworthy day tomorrow. It also could be a quiet day, and wait for the weekend. Uh, but we shall see. Mike, we'll see you at the ring. Thanks for doing this. You bet, Huss. Take care. You got it. There's Mike McIntyre. Fun segment. I was feeling for those guys watching that game yesterday in Target Field. I knew they'd be losing it. Um, but um, great to get to the important stories post Blue Jays with uh, with Mike here. Um, we are going to hear from Rick Bonus in just a second. So do not go anywhere. Uh, but again, if you missed at the start of this show, big news for the Bombers. Janarian Grant is back and in the lineup for tomorrow's huge tilt with the BC Lions at BC Place. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And Princess Auto is also where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations or online and make sure you're visiting the Princess Auto tailgate zone before every Winnipeg Blue Bomber home game. Um, Got to give a shout out to our friends and pals over at Consolidated Supply. What a busy summer it's been for uh, Joe and Spicy and the gang there. Listen, they are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, both indoor and outdoor, and golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Many vehicles, frankly, that aren't really golf carts, but more for industrial and commercial use. So talk to them if you've got needs there. But they've got other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And, of course, Consolidated Supply is also the leader in small engine parts and repair. So much they've got waiting for you and your business. Pop by and see them at the showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or you can find out more on Consolidated Supply at their website at CTE. Dot ca well jet season is just about here gonna get a chance to see pretty much the entire roster tonight been waiting to get maybe a new jersey with a new player on it 
You know where to do that at Royal Sports. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, all the jerseys, uh, professional numbers and names on it. Um, they've got that for you. And of course, as we get ready for another bomber push, hopefully to the Grey Cup, a great selection of Winnipeg Blue Bomber merch. Tons of NFL gear there, Major League Baseball um, and more, World Soccer. But with hockey season here, what you might need to be reminded on is that Royal Sports has been the hockey superstore in Winnipeg for over 40 years with absolutely everything you need from full equipment right down to skate sharpening over at Royal Sports. They're at 750 Pemina Highway. Pop by and see them and make sure you give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina. Hey, if you're not going to the game tonight, best place you could be uh, stepping up to is uh, your local Boston Pizza because we've got Jets and uh, Sens, which you'll be able to watch with uh, Dan Robertson on the call on TSN. And, of course, we've also got a kickoff to the week in the National Football League with the struggling Bears in D.C. to take on the Commanders. The best place to watch the game with big screen, big sound is always your local Boston pizza. While you enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the Boston Pizza feature menu. And hey, if you're staying in tonight, you can always get the great taste of BP by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remo back in here. We do have a great interview coming up with Jason Smith, who's the president of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, um, on uh, the Sea Bears being named Franchise of the Year. He was named Executive of the Year. And just a little bit more on the magical first season. But, uh, Remo, before we sort of move on from the Jets after great visits from Brandon and Mike, we should get to uh, some of the clips that uh, we've sort of been talking about and uh, hear it from the horse's mouth as in head coach Rick Bonus. Yeah, a lot of Rick Bonus on Nikolai Ehlers, Billy Hainala, the top topics that we've spent so much time talking about it. this Ehlers injury. Um, you know, we'll have to see. It is pre- it is preseason, so I think until he starts missing regular season games, you know, this could all be for nothing. But certainly something to monitor. And no, what team buildings we can no Banff trip this year? Are they going to be signing any documents? They're not we're going, going to, to Banff, about? but they're doing. Some, they're do- uh, Well, who knows? Maybe we'll see. Maybe that'll be done in the lodge after their fishing expedition, but uh, certainly they'll be doing some stuff as a team getting off the ice for a couple days. And then it's go time Wednesday in Calgary. And uh, I will be in Calgary for that game. We'll do the show from Cowtown getting ready for uh, the uh, opening number one of 82. Uh, so it should be a fun week coming up on Winnipeg sports talk. All right, let's go Remo. We'll just start at the top. I mean, obviously Billy Hainla in Stan and Nate Schmidt out. Here's what Bones had to say about his D pairs for uh, tonight's preseason finale. Uh, well, we, we just, we like what Billy's done. Uh, it, Dylan gives him some physicality and some real presence back there. He's a veteran. So uh, we're just, we'll see what that looks like. That's really what we're doing. And, and uh, until you try it, you don't know. So, and then, uh, you know, Sandberg's had a really good camp at P, and we know Mel's going to play with Mo. So uh, now's the time to try and give, the, give those things a look and see what it looks like. You don't know until you try. All right, so there's Rick Bonus talking about Billy Hanela getting in. Again, this is sort of... It was interesting to hear what Mike had to say about feeling that he, uh, you know, was in. I think different people have taken different things from what the coach had to say, so you can be the judge. Um, here's Bones a little bit more on uh, the, as Remus put it, the Villy Dilly pairing for tonight. 
Well, they haven't. They haven't spent a lot of time together yet. So, uh, Billy, the camp he's having, we're just keep encouraging him to skate the puck out every chance. We don't want him to stop. Uh, he's a great skater with the puck. Don't stop. We want to play fast. Get wheeling with the puck. And again, uh, with Brendan beside him, it gives us stability back there. But uh, you got one guy that can wheel the puck and get it going. You got another guy who gives us a physical presence and takes care of things around our net and in the corners. And again, you just got to see what it looks like. All right, there's uh, Bones, and I think it might have been CJOB's Kelly Moore that had the Vili Dilly pairing, and the Hermantown, too, of course, Samberg and Pionk playing together, both from uh, that same small town in Minnesota. Um, Vili Halen is going to get a crack on uh, PP2 today. Bones uh, expanded a little bit on uh, how they will improve the power play this season. Well, yeah, all of a sudden we have Gabe, so now we got to see what that looks like. So right. that gives us a totally different look, having a right-hand shot down by the net. Yeah. And it does. And it gets Mark on the half wall where he wants to be, and they all like Alex in the bumper position there. And uh, But, no, they've got to get more pucks on the net, but they're moving it really well. But until you see what Gabe looks like down there, right. you really do. You can't make it. You just got to kind of, again, you got to let it go. You got to see what works and what doesn't work and how he fits in and how he utilizes every other player but again we, we've said from day one he's very smart he's good down around the net he hangs on to puck so you've got to give that again a little time to see how it works uh here's a little bit more from bones on the power play discussing the importance of uh, getting the pp off to a good start this season want to have a good start and power play is a big part of it you want your power play to, to if they don't score to give you some momentum there was too many games last year where the power play didn't give us that so regardless if the puck was in or not we want that power play to go out and create some offense and give us some momentum so something we can build off it's your penalty killing the penalty killers go out there and give, do a great job that gives you momentum your power play a good power play gives you momentum so uh, we want to get off on the great start and you need your specialty teams to be a big part of that and Bruce last one on that but would you like, I mean, ideally, you have two power play units that are going great and kind of pushing each other, competing with each other, right? That's the ideal scenario? Yeah, it is. And then it was, it was over hot, better off that night. And so they'll start. They'll start the next power play. If, if it's the other unit and they're having a great night, then they'll start the power play. All right, there's uh, Rick Bonus. Now let's get back to Billy Hanelin. This is the quote that I asked Mike about. Um, you can judge for yourself. Bones was asked if uh, Billy Hanelin has won a spot on the team. We're going to find out Thursday night, but we're very, very happy. When I'm just talking again about that, he's he's done everything he can to make this hockey club. Uh, so we're very, very happy where he is. Love the attitude he came into with. We, uh, when we talked to him over the summer, like you're going to be given every opportunity. We played him a lot of games, played him in every situation. And like I've always said, players cut themselves. If it's bad performance or what, or getting outplayed by somebody else. And Billy certainly hasn't done either one of those. He, he's, he's, listen, he's, he's, he's done a great job. All right, so there's Rick Bonus on Billy Hanel. And I, I was waiting to play this clip before getting you all the why not question of the day for not Autocorp at Waverly and McGillivray because uh, it's none of us that are making the decisions. It's that guy that we just listened to. Um, based on what we've seen and what you just heard from Rick Bonus, what is your feeling on Billy Hanela being on the team and in the lineup for game number one after hearing what Rick just had to say? And, you know, keeping in mind that I guess things can happen tonight, but talking more about the body of work, let us know in the chat for the why not question of the day for not autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. Um, here's a little bit more of from bones on Billy 
on just his growth from last season to where he's at right now heading into uh, game number one? He wasn't as noticeable with the puck last year. He wasn't skating with it, wasn't making plays, was getting it and moving it a little too quickly. We encourage him to carry the puck. He's got great legs and he's got good vision. He's got good hands. Skate the puck out. Uh, he was a little slow moving the puck last year. And now we're seeing a guy that can, when he gets going and feels comfortable with it, skating with the puck, he's making things happen. And he's joining the rush. We didn't see enough of that last year. We want our D up, as you know. Uh, and I think trying, you know, I was a little nervous, a little hesitant to do that. Now he's just going. So, uh, yeah, he just looks a lot more comfortable. Defensive play too. That, yep. that's improved yep. he's, 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 he's competing a lot harder in the corners. He knows he had to get stronger. He knows he had to get, so he did. He worked hard over the summer. And he, look, he's not the biggest guy out there. So yeah, using his skating, get in there first, get the puck and get it moving. He tries sometimes you avoid those battles. All right, so there's Rick Bonus on uh, on Billy Hanel. And again, your thoughts on uh, Hanel's situation for the why not question of the day in the chat. We've got two more clips from Bones, and this um, refers to Nikolai Ehlers' situation. Um, first up, Bones on Alex Iafallo moving into Ehlers' spot in the lineup tonight. knew what we were getting in Alex, that he's a very useful player. Can play right wing, can play left wing, can move him up, can move him back, can kill penalties, and can play power play. So uh, we're just going to keep, well, because of the injury to Nick, we're going to move him up there. And again, got to see what it looks like. Alex Iafalo seeming like he might be a new uh, bit of a utility knife, if you will, for a Rick Bonus in the Winnipeg Jets. He will get that spot, as we mentioned. Morgan Barron moves back with Adam Lowry, uh, where he's quite familiar playing with. And David Gustafson moves from presumably the press box to the left side, along with Nemetsnikov and Rasmus Kapari on line number four. Here's the final clip. And uh, you knew Bones would be asked about uh, the latest on Nikolai Ehlers. He's not 100%, and until he's 100%, we're not going to play him because we can't afford a setback on this. Uh, so, yeah, he'll keep getting treated, and hopefully by uh, Monday when we really get ready for the season, that he's 100% ready to go. But until he's 100%, we're not going to run the risk of, it's like Nate Schmidt, we're not going to run the risk of having a major setback at this time of the year. All right, so uh, it sounds like they're being cautious. But again, that's a little different ream than we heard before. Like, hey, I'm hoping he comes in and says that he's ready to play, and that hasn't happened yet. Um, I guess time will tell, as they say, and we'll find out next week as to whether he can be a full participant for Wednesday, for Monday and Tuesday on the plane and hopefully on that lineup card on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll have to. I mean, we can react and speculate here, but these are preseason games. They don't matter in the 82-game regular season. So, you know... You know, we'll see next Tuesday when we're back because there's no show Monday. We'll see what happens. It is interesting, Hus, that he is in a regular jersey practicing. Usually when you're practicing a regular jersey, <laughs> means you're good to go, but they say he's not 100%. He doesn't feel 100%, and, you know, hopefully they can figure it out. I don't know if there's going to be, like, a announcing he has, like, sports hernia surgery again next week. Oh, my God. Mute your mic. Sorry. Don't even, too, don't even too many call go there. Too many callbacks. <laughs> The last year. So, I, again, I hope he, he is fine to play, and we'll end up. We'll find out Wednesday, less than a week away. All right. Well, uh, game tonight, of course, 7 o'clock p.m. Reba and I will be there. Say hi if you, uh, if you bump into us. And uh, don't forget, um, one of the great things, actually, we're going to get a big little behind-the-scenes tour before the game of everything they've done at the arena. So we'll be able to tell you about that tomorrow. One thing I have already scouted out for you all 
is uh, where you can get our favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug, at the games this season. That's right, LBJ, now a partner of the Winnipeg Jets, and great news for Jets fans, both 1919 and our favorite generic lager, are available along with two of the other local breweries at the new Craft Beer Corner. If you're up in the upper bowl, the Craft Beer Corner is in Section 310, the corner bar on Graham and Donald's side. And, of course, we will be getting together with the WST crew on the other side of that Graham Mall, the Section 316-317 bar, uh, which is not the Craft Beer Corner, uh, but outside of our seats for the WST pack when things get going for our first of four games on the 17th of October. Again, if you haven't checked that out, we do have some remaining seats and the additional seats we got in 317. So check that out. There's a link at winnipegsportstalk.com if you're listening to the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, just hit that first link for our ticket package and get yourself uh, accounted for and joining us before the game on the 17th when we... uh, when we welcome back Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Los Angeles Kings. All right, we will get to the cool bet lines. Uh, we've got an NFL game tonight to uh, to talk about. We kind of hit that in the lock shop earlier. Of course, you can hit that at the Edmonton Sports Talk feed. But right now, kind of move away from what we've been talking about the most lately, the Bombers and football, the Jets and hockey, of course, the end of the Blue Jays season, um, because we've got a little bit of basketball to talk about. A huge, huge honor for the Sea Bears, and I don't think this surprised anyone that our basketball team, after the magical year they had entering the CBL, was both the franchise year uh, franchise of the year, but also big congratulations to Jason Smith, the president of the Sea Bears, who won the executive of the year. And uh, we caught up with Jason, talk a little bit about the season that was, where the organization goes from here, and uh, a look back to what was such an amazing, amazing year and summer for basketball here in Winnipeg. Jason, so great to have you on the program. How are you? I'm great. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, listen, there's some congratulations in order. Um, first and foremost, this past week, congratulations to you for being named CEBL Executive of the Year and to you and your entire team for the franchise of the year. I cannot say it's surprising considering the amazing debut season you had, but uh, must be nice to get that recognition. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh Obviously, very flattering to be recognized uh, by the league as well. We uh, had a great season. I will posit that the you know the bigger one for us is franchise of the year, which is really a representation of all of the work that our uh, staff did in a very short time to get us organized uh, in time to play basketball. Our coach and our players, who had I would argue a pretty Cinderella first season, a uh, little fell a little tiny bit short at the end. But uh, yeah, that's really the one that we're most proud of is to be recognized for how well the team and the franchise did in this first year. Well, I can tell you what, uh, I don't think there's any question if they gave out an award for the fan base of the year that Winnipeggers and Manitobans would be getting that one as well. I mean, just, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, a magical debut season for your franchise and this team and the return of pro basketball to Winnipeg. Um, Take us back to starting this. Um, What were your expectations or goals and how much or, or did Winnipeg blow them away game by game throughout the season? The start was actually um, before last summer. We, we were, uh, David Asper approached me and uh, asked if I would uh, consider working with him on a bit of a feasibility study on bringing basketball back to Winnipeg. And I will say that from the start of those conversations, 
it was evident how engaged and excited and into it we thought Manitobans would be and Winnipegers would be if we brought a basketball team back here, which is obviously why he took the leap and uh, brought the team here. But yeah, uh, I will say that the response uh, from the fans was far exceeded our expectations. The you know we did some projections as you do at the beginning put some budgets together and uh, went to Canada Life Centre to talk with them about hosting the games. Uh, never in our wildest dreams, if I'm totally honest, did we expect we would get up to, you know, by the playoff game, 10,500 uh, fans in the building. Definitely exceeded the expectations and even our wildest dreams. So, yeah, uh, really appreciative of the fans here in Winnipeg and across Manitoba who embraced the team and helped us make this first season so memorable. You know, even I, I mean, I remember going to the first game and coming back and we were talking about it on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, you know, at that point, going into the Sea Bears opening tilt, I believe the CEBL record, individual attendance record was 4,400 or, or thereabouts. And we were talking about it on the show. And I mean, I was really bullish on this. I saw the crowds, um, you know, I think probably got a pretty good pulse of the the sports community here and the, the demand and the excitement for it. But I said on this show, I think at the end of this season, this team is not only going to beat this record, they're going to average more than 4,400. But even I, who was as bullish, I think, as anyone on it, was amazed at how it grew throughout the season. And I mean, those final few games in the playoff game, I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, took the CEBL, in my opinion, to a whole nother level. I, what was it like feeling the momentum game by game throughout the season and and then having probably the very um, great option of expanding the arena, adding more seats, and um, seeing you guys, you know, raise the bar so high compared to where this league was before the Seavers were part of it? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you quickly before I answer the uh, anecdotally fun for us because after that first game, we actually watched your episode where you – talked about how you thought it was going to be a big success, which for us watching the media, I mean, the fans were amazing, but you know, when you start something in the early days, you just really kind of a wing and a prayer idea. And so it was uh, quite exciting for all of us, to be honest, to have folks like yourself who are at that first game. Uh, you're really hopefully sort of first impressions of things were just so positive. That was a really nice moment for us uh, to be honest. And then, yeah, it's um, and you're right. We did average over the. It used to be uh, Vancouver had 4,400. In the end, we actually averaged over that, and it was. Uh, I said it was just an amazing uh, question of how did it how did it feel along the way. I'll be totally honest. It was. It's all a bit of a blur. Like uh, we were we were. I said learning from game to game how to do this and hopefully do it better at each game. And every time it grew, we just sort of tried to figure out what the next step was what we needed to add, how we needed to work with the venue to manage the increase in size. And and actually, yeah, I think we could have actually opened the upper deck of Canada Life Centre at the final game of the season, but we really were interested in trying to give uh, give that playoff game some real gravitas by making that the first time ever that we opened the upper deck. But yeah, again, I just can't even, could never have even fathomed what was going to happen, and we just tried to keep it in perspective along the way. So I barely remember other than being obviously elated along the way that it was going so well, but the rest of it's a bit of a blur. I've got to ask you a personal question. Um, and you can maybe, you know, mention to, to listeners about your background, but you've been so involved in events. I mean, Grey Cup, Heritage Classic, White Oak Parties, those sort of things. Mm -hmm. But those are always on an event management and organization. This is part of a team. Mm 
where not only are you probably on a day-to-day basis concerned about tickets and all running it, but at the end of the day, you win or you lose, and there's a lot that goes into it. How different was it for you to be kind of in on the winning and the losing and the ups and downs of the team as well as running the operation and everything that comes with it? Yeah. Funny you mention it because that was the biggest uh, change for me this year when we were doing this along the way. I was I often said to people who are, who would say to me, you know, you do events, but you're doing basketball now. What's that about? I was saying that, you know, the reality is that a lot of what we do in event planning is the party around it. We let the players take care of what's happening on the ice or on the court or whatever. So I was really just saying this to me is just like 10 big events, 10 basketball games in Canada Life Centre. So I was approaching it exactly like that and doing everything that we've done for Whiteout Party or Heritage Classic or whatever. But you're right. I did not anticipate the emotional roller coaster of your team winning and losing. Uh, Not that I didn't care if our teams won when we were doing those events, but it was a different animal altogether. And yeah, the most uh, interesting part for me, and I've said it to many people, is managing the emotional highs and lows of uh, watching your team do well or not do so well was an unexpected part and a bit of a learning curve for me as well to yeah, to figure out how to manage that, that part of the thing. So one of the uh, I mean, one of the, the uh, uh, amazing parts of the success of the Seabears this year was the very direct connection to the community. And uh, I think of uh, Chad Posthumus, who was the, the first player signed, who came on with us right afterwards and talked about his excitement to play in front of friends and family. Bison star Simon Hildebrand, who had just an incredible season as a 19-year-old. Um, and obviously what Mike did you know, with the entire club. Um, wh- how big a part of the success of the team do you think were not just the local players, but the team overall. And for folks that didn't know, let us in into a little bit on what this team was doing when they weren't playing. Because if you were playing attention, there was a ton of community involvement and a, a lot of different ways that these guys, even for a short time, got involved in the community for guys that you know were not from Winnipeg or Canada. Yeah. Well, a couple of parts to that answer. I mean, first of all, uh, Mike Taylor. The reason we hired Mike Taylor was we had a several conversations with him and he really embodied what we wanted this franchise to be about. We talked about uh, not just being hopefully a positive influence uh, on the basketball court, but also being an influence out in the community. One of the nice things about the CEBL is uh, that the players are able to, I I would argue, be a little more accessible uh, out in the community. So, uh, and actually in their contract, a little known fact is in every player's contract in the CEBL, they have to, uh, a commit to 30 hours of community work, community service or community engagement or whatever. So we're basically writing into the contract or the CEBL is into their contracts that the importance that we place on uh, making the community a better place and being out and being accessible and working with uh, community groups to, to help uh, hopefully what we're doing in the province be better. And I said, Mike was a huge proponent of that. He made it very easy for us uh, to uh, get the players out to things. He himself did a couple of coaches clinics. He's actually doing one for basketball Manitoba coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. He's just such a, he's just a well-rounded person who really believes in the same things as we do. And uh, yeah, so, uh, and the players too really bought into it. He was a very, I think if you notice as well too, we were, I think the only, we made one transaction in the whole season. Other teams were bringing guys in, taking guys out. 
Mike did not change a single thing. We brought one guy back. Uh, so we used one transaction to bring a player back in. But he did not want to change his team even. He was all about family, all about the, you know, the culture that he was building. Uh, live or die by it, win or lose, he was going to build that kind of team. And that also, I think, really translated to what we did out in the community. Well, it was, uh, I mean, listen, it was successful on so many different levels. I, you just came back from these CEBL meetings where you got the award, the franchise got the award. I'm interested in the feedback um, you got from the rest of the league um, because the Seabirds really, in a lot of ways, raised the bar. And I know for a fact that was, um, everyone around the league was paying attention to it and probably uh, hoping that they could get to some of the levels that uh, the Seabirds and Winnipeg have, uh, have set. Yeah, I will. I will also. Um, I mean, I, I thankful again, which I sort of said at the outset, but just to make sure that I say, it, you know, the staff here at the Sea Bears were incredible this summer. Everybody, some of them worked had worked here for six weeks, two months, or whatever when we went into this. Same thing for all of the other presidents across the CEBL. We announced the team on November thirtieth. By the time we got all the ducks in a row and were able to do it. And we played our first basketball game on May 27th. That is not a lot of time to get a pro sports team up and running. And uh, the people across the CEBL, the other presidents, the league office itself, everybody was so uh, supportive and helpful and willing to, you know, if I need a, hey, do you have a spreadsheet that I can, so I can cut down on the amount of time it takes me to do this? Everybody shared. Everybody was really gracious and continued to be this week at the, uh, this actually awarded is voted on by the other teams and uh, by some of the senior brass at the CEBL office. So, uh, yeah, uh, many thanks to them for supporting us and then recognizing uh, how what a great season we had with our fans here. Jason Smith, president of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, executive and franchise of the year for the Sea Bears debut year in the CEBL with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, so now it's on to year two. What uh, tell us about what's happening right now at the Sea Bears offices? What you guys are focusing in on, and um, I guess the excitement level to get back and do it again in the uh, bigger and better in twenty twenty four. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned some, earlier. We were talking a little bit about my previous background. The other interesting, at least to me, point is that everything I've done as well is a weekend. Like Grey Cup comes and goes. I guess whiteout parties extended a little bit, but this is one of the first times. I've had to do one of these major events and then afterwards say, okay, how do we do it better next time? Uh, so that's going to be an interesting part. But yeah, we're doing, I think, what probably most teams do in the offseason. We're uh, connecting with our season ticket base, which I'm excited to report. We've actually doubled the number of season tickets uh, already for next year than we had this year. So that's a big uh, already step for us. Uh, we're making... Uh, Quick lap around the city to thank our the sponsors who came in last year pretty much on a leap of faith. As I mentioned, it was nobody really knew what this was going to be, and the businesses that were early adopters and supported us in what we were saying we were going to do, I think, took a leap of faith. So we're, we're obviously going around to, to thank them uh, and hope they'll come back to see us next year. And then we're actually, if I'm 100% honest, we're just now putting the processes in place to actually run a long-term business because really our focus for that first five months was literally on, we need a coach, we need an office, we need some basketball players, we need some merchandise. Like we really were hyper fixated on, 
on the in-game experience and the and the season itself. And now we have a little bit of time to breathe and say, how do we gonna, how are we going to run this business? Uh, we're going to hopefully also do some community event stuff across the summer, or sorry, across the winter. So uh, that also is a bit of uh, what we're focusing on too. But yeah, mostly just trying to figure out how to make this a sustainable business over the winter and over many years to come. You know, I was down at the Sport Manitoba building a couple of weeks ago, getting a bit of a tour and talking to the folks there about uh, just everything that's going on. And, you know, we kind of got a bit of a look into the Sea Bears HQ, what the players did, but then saw all the basketball happening on the courts there, the teams that were practicing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, uh, we sort of really are into Manitoba basketball season right now. And I'm sure we'll see more and more of the Sea Bears off season throughout the year at uh, various events. Jason, listen, it was a uh, an incredible season. Cannot wait for the encore. Um, can't let you ha come on and talk about all the great success and mentioning doubling the season ticket base without letting people know if they do want to get tickets and whatnot and get on board, how they can do that. Uh, there's people listening that want more information on uh, being part of the crew for next season. Where do they go? Well, they obviously, uh, we'd love to have them. And quickly, before we jump to that, I will say this this weekend uh, is um, Lakehead is here, Thunder Bay, playing uh, U of M. So our U Sport, both our U Sport players are going to be on the court this weekend. Tyler Sagal and uh, Simon Hildebrand. Mike Rainbow, who uh, had a big part in uh, helping our coach get acclimated. So it's a fun weekend for basketball, if anybody is interested, to go check out the U of M Lakehead game. Uh, for more information on the Sea Bears, the easiest way is probably to go to seabears.ca. Um, and uh, in there, you can find uh, information about season tickets. Uh, you can find a phone number and a link to contact our ticketing folks. Prices on, and all that are up there. Um, and, yeah, I appreciate every all the support everybody's given us, and uh, hopefully they'll come see us for a game next year well, or a few. It was uh, man, it was so much fun, and uh, we're looking forward to getting back to Canada Life Center next summer for year two of Sea Bears basketball. And I'm glad you mentioned that uh, Lakehead Bison game in a minute because uh, we saw the you know incredible talent of those two players, Sean Moranin, with the U of W as well. Um, so uh, hopefully this gives a nice bump to the uh, university and the U Sports level basketball as well, and get people even more excited for the next season. Jason, have a great one. Congratulations again, and thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the coverage, guys, and I'll uh, look forward to seeing you again, hopefully soon. All right, great stuff, and congratulations again to the Seabears for an amazing inaugural season, bringing Pro Hoops back to Winnipeg. All right, we are going to finish this up real quick, but got to get to the lines for these games on the weekend. And um, looking at the CFL, the early game had been off the board all week, now it's list, it's on. I'm not sure whether we can take from this that the Argos are going to put Ked Kelly back in, but the Argos are seven and a half point favorites at home against the Elks. That's the six o'clock game tomorrow morning or sorry, tomorrow evening. And then the main event is late night. Bombers, two point underdogs in BC against the BC Lions over at Cool Bet. And the money line is plus 110. That was plus 112, was down to plus 105, back to 112. Now it's at 110. I still think there'll be some bomber money coming in before the game. So I I just got on the money line today at this number, feeling pretty good. And uh, the over under 51 and a half, I think there's going to be some points in this game. Do like the over as well. Uh, Riders, three and a half point favorites against the Ticats. And the Alouettes, six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Red Blacks. And we do have 
the lock shop partner parlay up for the CFL. It's Bombers to win. Winnipeg and BC over 51 and a half. And the Red Blacks plus six and a half. That one is in at six to one plus 600. Hopefully we can go back to back in the lock shop after a beauty win last week with the uh, Bombers uh, Bombers in it. All right. Um, by the way, we've also got a, uh, I'm going to get to the NFL game tonight in a second, but we all put together our, our pick and we put in a little partner parlay for the game tonight. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr., anytime touchdown scorer. Logan Thomas, over 25 yards receiving. And Cole Komet, four plus receptions. That one's in at plus 540. Going to jump on that one as well. And as far as this game goes tonight, the Commanders are six-point favorites against the Bears. Love, love, love the Commanders in this game tonight. And uh, not just because they're playing the Bears. I think they're actually half-decent, Reem. And I like Sam Howell a lot more than what I like. I've seen anything from that Bears offense, despite putting up 28 before blowing it against the Broncos last week. Yeah, the Bears, they lost. Just when I was like, oh, the Broncos are so embarrassing. They... But they came back and beat the Bears, although Justin Fields finally showing some of that promise that he had uh, shown last year, but it just hasn't been able to put it together. They traded for for DJ Moore, and he thought you know the offense would look good, but it would spin the defense. What they gave up forty plus in a disaster of a game to KC, you know Russell Wilson and the Broncos, uh, you know took it to him last week. So yeah, I would be on the Commanders tonight as well. Are you on the over for over five field goals house? I see that one on the cool bet daily exclusives. I I'm just on the over three and a half field goals. So four or more, that one's always the, the primetime field goal bet sort of our thing. We always do it. And it's funny. Neither of these teams have kicked very many field goals and yet the odds are way lower for it tonight than it normally is. It's just plus one Oh five. That being said, still in on it again, you can check out all the lines at coolbet.com. And if you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Big lock shop tomorrow at noon, our weekly NFL picks. We'll put together a few more fun ones for the CoolBet exclusive sections in the meantime. But uh, right now, if you're still with us on YouTube, get ready. We're going to fire everybody over to the bonfire channel bombing and wallby are chopping it up getting ready for tomorrow's bombers lions tilt so we'll take you there thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day thanks to Rewiki, thanks to mike mcintyre and jason smith for popping by of course thanks as always to michael remus um might see you at the game tonight folks and if not we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m get ready for bombers and lions and a little recap of uh, the Jets' preseason and a look ahead to the regular season. We'll see you tomorrow for a big Friday show at 1. Enjoy what the fellas have coming up right now over on Bonfire talking Bombers-Lions. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.